Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by my friend Christine Duran, the Director of Advancement for the Minnesota Museum of American Art. Christine, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Um, I asked you to come in to talk a little bit about a kind of sector-wide issue on how we communicate. But before we jump into all that, can you just tell people a little bit about what is now affectionately in Minnesota known as the M? The M, sure. Uh, the Minnesota Museum of American Art is St. Paul's only art museum. Uh, we're also one of the oldest art instit- institutions in Minnesota. Um, we've had a lot of names and a lot of homes over its over 100-year history, uh, but uh, most recently, we are building a brand new facility in the Pioneer Endicott building in downtown St. Paul, which is set to open December 2nd of this year. So we're very excited about that. And we've known each other over the years in different roles as yeah. we've had different capacities in the nonprofit sector. Um, but both of us very engaged in communication and mm-hmm. talking about our missions in the world. And I asked you to come in today to talk more specifically around this idea of um print and digital communication to audiences, because um, I think that there's uh, some of us who have a bias uh, towards uh, digital communication. That certainly is me. Um, But there are really times when it's the right thing to use print. And I thought, who better than somebody who works in the arts to be able to talk about when are those times? What's the right thing? So I want to ask you about several different areas of the use of this. Um, But first of all, I mean, do you have just any overall feelings about the the last you know evolution of 15 years of work how does uh, the the role of print and the emergence of digital communication change how nonprofits do what they do yeah, I feel like we have been having this conversation for about 15 years. It's, um, and I would definitely argue that print is not dead. Uh, there, there is a place for print. And it's, as in any communication strategy, it's about the audience and what does the audience want and expect and hope for from you as an organization. And, um, uh, so if print is in that mix, it's a, how do you as as an organization and with the limited resources find the place to um, to maximize your ability to provide print? Right. So there's a lot of things that are expensive about communications in general um, that are independent of whether you ever go to print with it or not. If you're going to use video, um, that is expensive. If you're going to do good photography, that's expensive, um, regardless of whether you go to print. But part of the decision about print is about cost, I mm-hmm. think. So let, let's start with just the generic idea of introducing your mission to somebody that doesn't know who you are. Certainly, people are going to look on the web. Uh, often, it's going to be a, a Google map search, and they're like, oh, look, there's a museum next to me that I haven't been in yet, and it's opening up, and I didn't know anything about it. Um, there, there are those entrees to people. Um, when do you think about how you push uh, the first message about your mission and who you are digitally versus when are the times that you want to get in front of people with something to hand them? Well, it's actually an interesting question because we as the M are going through this right now and uh, as we're preparing to open a a new museum facility um, and introducing that to a whole new audience who may have never been to the Minnesota Museum of American Art before. Um, Print is definitely among that mix. Uh, We do expect people to find us digitally. We expect advertising. um, But mail is something that needs to be part of that mix. Um, it's postal mail, postal mail. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, as nonprofits, um, we we do tend to shy away from mailing too much. And, and I think that's wise. Um, but 
if you think about as a consumer of uh, of messages, what do you get in your mail um, is often it's catalogs, it's um, bills still. Mm-hmm. It's things that are, aren't aren't all that interesting. So when you do get something that's interesting from an organization that either you support or you might have an affinity towards, you're going to pay more attention to it. So um, as our mail becomes more mundane, uh, we don't tend to get personal communications as much through that method. Um, our our pieces that are of interest to audiences, uh, I think they stand out more. So uh, I argue that mail is is absolutely still an important way to communicate with our existing and potential new audiences. So we're, we're going to get off topic for one second about how you identify potential audiences mm-hmm. using postal mail, <laughs> because I think audience acquisition in any kind of communication is a challenge, trying to find out how do we get more email addresses, another phone number. But how do you go around uh, looking at postal communications to potential audiences that you don't know for sure are interested in what you're doing? How do you decide who to mail to? Yeah, there are there's services that help you do that, that help you identify um, postal mailing addresses. Um, this is this is our big data world, mm-hmm. and big data tracks everything. Unfortunately, and fortunately for the marketers uh, among us, uh, they track everything about us. So um, if you are um, uh, have an affinity towards the arts or um, have an environmental interest uh, or um, have an interest in healthcare. Um, there's ways to identify those characteristics about mm-hmm. a household and target uh, a mailing list of 10,000 or 5,000 or 100,000 people within a geographic area. Uh, and you can segment by any number of uh, targeting qualities. So that's a way to find uh, these are potentially brand new audiences and they're going to not know you from Adam maybe. Mm-hmm. It's this is this is uh, a way to introduce yourself as a, in your organization to a brand new audience. Um I would I, I would not solicit those people for dollars right, right. away. Um but if you're trying to get involvement or uh trying to encourage people to to consider your organization uh in an event or um a public uh, a public showing or something something that you have where you're engaging a broad mass of people this is a good way to uh gain interest from a brand new audience well and this is one of the things i'm interested in about this conversation because um it's uh <laughs> not only the expense of, of creating the piece in the first place paying designers writers uh you know maybe those folks are on staff maybe they're not but just building something that will be mailed mm-hmm. to a new person is uh, a little bit of an expense but certainly printing it then costs money uh you know nonprofit postage is a nice discount but it's still money um those are expensive ways to reach new audiences mm-hmm. as opposed to people saying, well, I can get in front of new folks on Facebook for, you know, 20 bucks for a thousand people or whatever. Um, So how does the M go about making decisions of when we do digital outreach for new audience acquisition, we want to use these tactics? Um, I I know we talked a little while ago about increasing the use of Google AdWords things for people that are tripping into search, but not necessarily knowing that they're searching for the Minnesota Museum of American Art, just that they're searching for experiences and ideas and things. So search is one way. Um, 
paid advertisement or well, uh, paid posts, I guess, through social is one way. But how do you decide we've tried these other ways? They're maybe less expensive, but it doesn't reach what audience that we think we might be able to kind of catch their eye because we've got something in print, say, by postal mail. Well, I don't think of I don't think of them, of them as mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all complement one another, and it takes so many times for people to see a brand new message uh, for it to be absorbed. You know, the old adage was you see a message seven times right. before you see it. it. That is so out the window now. It is. I, I think the advertising federation probably said something like a hundred times, or you know, something. Cre- I'm. I, I don't know the number, but it's more it's a than lot seven. More anywhere. than seven okay. at this point, um, because we're inundated with so many messages every day. Uh, so I, I'm hoping, my hope is that if we send a, a a mail piece to a brand new audience, and then we do Facebook or digital advertising, Google AdWords, um, and then we have. Uh, paid media advertising uh, as well. That and they now we're s- talking newspapers, radio, television. Absolutely. Okay. That we're seeing uh, that a, a certain audience is seeing that in more than one spot. And okay. we're, we're starting to break through that barrier and people are recognizing us. So, of course, the the big question thrown in front of every uh, nonprofit endeavor of any kind, how do we know there's a return on that investment? How do you measure (laughs) postal mail differently from some of these other outreach things or measure all of them to know that they're working together? Um, It's uh, been the age-old challenge, I think. Do you have new thoughts on how one knows that the postal mail is adding the value that it costs? Great question. Uh, digital is so much more measurable in right. terms of you can you get the reports right from uh, the the advertising or from the medium. It's it, it's so easy to measure um, and measure every little bit about it. Um, but ultimately, what what the goal is, you have to look at what your goal is. And mm-hmm. for for me at the Minnesota Museum of American Art, it is about getting people to come to the museum. Right. Getting them in the door to visit. Um, so whether they click on that and find out more, that's one me- way to measure that they're interested. It doesn't actually measure whether they've we've reached our goal with that individual. Uh, so, and the same goes for postal mail. Right. If, I, I don't have that in between measurement, but I'm looking for how many people are coming in the door. Now, if, I, if I've reached my goal with how many people are coming in the door, which one of the advertising and and, um, communication methods was most effective. That we can only determine by asking. And do you do that? Well, I guess you're closed right now for these renovations. So right. um, as you do some of your around town events currently um, using other people's spaces and, and mm-hmm. platforms, but certainly when the museum does fully reopen again with the new wing and of course more expansion to come over time, um, there are plans to say, welcome visitor, we're glad you're here. Would you let us know what what you remember about how you found us or something yes. like that? Yes. And that's part of a broader evaluation effort. Yeah. Um, that, but yes, we want to know how they how they heard about us, uh, why they're interested, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, what their experience was like, uh, so we can evaluate and, and make changes based on that. Yeah. So postal mail is one way to get uh, a print piece into the hands of a potential um, mission supporter, but it's not the only way. Mm-hmm. So um, your mission in particular is a little bit more unique that almost every 
time I've gone to a facility like yours, there's uh, um, some kind of map brochure, something that tells me about where can I see specific things that might be on display right now. Because often facilities like yours will have rotating exhibits as well as permanent collections. And giving people a thing to take around with them is, is sort of de rigueur in your business, right? I mean, you've got to mm-hmm. have that thing when they show up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, we do. Yes. The, um, when visitors come to the museum, they expect to have some information there. Some people prefer to carry around a piece of paper with them. Some people prefer to have an audio guide. Um, right. So we provide both. Uh, we provide something for everybody. Um, and some people for, prefer to just walk around on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's it depends on, again, what the audience, uh, their interest is. Um Print pieces are important in that respect because uh, they they last. People put them in their pockets and right. their in their purses, and they take them home and they um, think about it later when they take that take it out. And it may go in the recycling bin at that point, but at least they had a couple of moments where they've they've thought about us and um, hopefully had a good reaction. Mm-hmm. And do you think about distribution not just your facility, not just postal mail, but other places? And again, here I think with your mission in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of other places around town that have information about what to do when you're nearby. Um, there's more uh, hotels going up in downtown St. Paul that are within walking distance to your new space. So I suppose those are places, again, where a different type of print piece still may be worth yeah. distributing. Uh, yes, uh, we produce what we call rack cards, um, yeah. and these are you know they go in those big racks of uh, what a visitor to St. Paul can can do and see and do when they're in town. And um, you know we'll go alongside the Children's Museum and the Como Zoo and um, the uh, the the Ramsey County Historical Society and you know right. all these different things um, that uh, a visitors to St. Paul can experience. Um, that's somewhat unique to that particular thing is somewhat unique to the type of industry that we're in right. but it's you might equate it to the traditional organizational brochure yeah. uh, that provides your essentially your printed elevator speech about what it is your organization does and our impact on on the community and on um, on the the audience that we're serving so I mentioned earlier, my particular bias is for digital communication. I'm, I'm much more of a participant that way. But I do think that most nonprofit organizations could benefit from distributing their message in a way that could be kept by somebody at partner organizations. And we don't think about that all the time, that there are lots of other spaces that, you know, as, as sometimes we think about ourselves in competition for Mindshare with, with others. But um, certainly the more people in St. Paul that are out and about uh, loving and absorbing the arts, you know, the better it is for the M, the better it is for the partners. So certainly there's going to be those other types of nonprofits where it's a great idea to um, share the message with your partners. But just telling them, could you refer people to our website um, is a tactic. And in those cases, again, to have that physical thing that they can put in their pocket and maybe they recycle it later. But the reminder of, right, I was going to think about that is important and uh, different, again, from maybe the rack card idea, more the traditional brochure, but something that I think more charities could perhaps think about that may be left on the wayside in the digital revolution. I think so. I really do. I think that having a printed piece, um, you know, and I don't like to keep, personally, I don't like to keep printed pieces. I, 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 I don't like my desk cluttered with stuff. I don't like um, my kitchen table cluttered with things. Uh, But 
when I I do like to gather those pieces mm-hmm. and it what it always does for me is it brings back that memory of oh right that's that organization and I was going to do that and now I'm now I have the time and I'm going to um, contact them or right. look them up or sign up for their emails uh, so it's that reminder and it it has a emotional trigger uh, it may be just a tiny emotion at that point if it's just an introduction but or it may be a greater one if if I've been involved with the organization before but there's some sort of emotion happening there when you see that printed piece again which I think you with digital, it's it's less unexpected, right? So um, you know what you're getting. Of course, there's going to be a website. Of course, right. there will be. No, right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And you know, think about it as um, everybody has business cards, right? Yeah. You you rarely have a, a an organization or a business that hasn't produced business cards for those that are working within it. Uh, but how many people keep a business card Rolodex anymore? Right. It's about sharing that information and saying, this is who I am and this is how you can contact me. And people will often put that into their contacts and their digital contacts and then recycle the card. Yep. But there's that there's that physical connection that is has emotional meaning. I have a short story about this from just a little while ago. I was meeting with uh, um, somebody who chastised me because my business card does not have a postal mailing address on it because I just didn't think anybody cares about that anymore. He's like, I want to send you something in the postal mail. And I'm like, well... Honestly, um, I've I've changed um, addresses a couple of times between here and there, and my business card is a little bit more evergreen because it's not on there. The website adjusts when I need it to. I just put a different address in. I'm like, well, the the address is on the website. I mean, if you really need a postal mailing address, but um, but really interesting to think of how people use these things and what are we providing to them. And um, I think that's an important way of thinking about that brochure thing is sort of the business card of it will remind you that you wanted to do a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, look into next season's work or whatever the the thing is that you wanted to do, sign up for the email. Um, so flipping a little bit more into the, the digital part of this, and I, I want to come back to print in a minute about things like annual reports and less commonly used things. We're talking about case statements before we started recording. I want to come back to those, but um, in, in your world in particular, I think the digital revolution isn't done yet because um, the expectation of not just a website, but um, something that might be more akin to an app, and whether that's a, a progressive web app uh, on a phone or tablet or whatever, um, or an actual application different from the website, um, when I'm walking around, it's like, well, maybe yeah. I want the map that way yeah. instead of having the print one around. Um, I assume some of your users are thinking that traditional print thing actually doesn't cut it for me. I need you to give me something that isn't just your website because I want the floor plan or the current exhibits or the things that are normally in print, but I want them to be more interactive in ways that make sense when I'm moving through a space. And websites don't do that terribly well. Progressive web apps can be designed to do that kind of thing. Is is that part of your <clears throat> thinking yet? Or where does that go for as you're thinking of relaunching your space? Yeah, it is. We're actually investigating apps right now and yeah. how we can use those. So um, uh, we're looking at using a an app uh, to host audio guides yeah. uh, so that we will have um, independent audio uh, uh, tools mm-hmm. that people can check out at the front desk if they don't want to use their own personal uh, device. But we're going to encourage people to download an app and use the app. And that app will also have those other features uh, like a map or mm-hmm. um, 
uh, additional uh, uh, content inf- information about the exhibition. So yes, it's the it, it's how how are people wanting to utilize um, the information? And uh, like I said earlier, some people really like being able to have that on their personal device. I love that as a marketer because then right. you you can con- connect with them in other ways. Uh, uh, some people still prefer to have a printed piece, right. and we won't be able to, to put all the same experiences in that printed piece. But if that's how people prefer to walk through a space, I want to be able to provide that to them. Yeah. So I think when we think about the digital world, um, we are, of course, thinking um, mobile responsive, in many cases, mobile first, really thinking about this um, experience of interacting with people from a mobile device first, and then a desktop experience can be different, and that's fine. Um, But the idea of an app is another layer. And I want to make sure that um, charities that are listening to this are thinking about the idea of a progressive web app differently from an installed app, which, you know, is all still available from the web, but it is not the same thing as a mobile version of your website. And um, it's sort of this in-between space of you don't have to install a a whole app from the app store kind of thing and, and run it and leave it on your device. You can just have this experience that functions like an app that's instantly available um, that does the same things that you need the app to do. And that's not, I think, as well utilized within the nonprofit sector mm. yet. It's actually not all that well utilized anywhere yet. I think that it's it's been sitting in the background because apps have been so darn popular and people know how to work them and it's familiar and they do it. Um, I, I think if we were reinventing the smart device uh, you know, um, this year, progressive web apps would be the way that it would go. It wouldn't be this installed base thing but here we are. People know how to use apps and they use apps. So it seems like there's a little bit more opportunity, but also more cost in putting together something like that. I, um, When you said you're kind of examining now, is looking at budgeting part of that process? And um, does it just send everybody screaming into a closet crying? <laughs> Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, um, yeah, it's, you know, these things, um, there's different levels of what you can do with all of these digital, uh, devices and, and applications. And we, we are looking at a traditional app. It's not, um, it's not the, um, progressive web app, progressive web app. I will have to look at that though, um, for the future. And I, you know, I see this as a, there's always a balance of, um, making sure that you're communicating with the common denominator, um, the, you know, that you're reaching everybody where they're at, but also, um, pushing that cutting edge just a little bit. Um, and in, especially depending on who you are as an organization, um, pushing that cutting edge even more might be even more important to you. Um, so uh, it, it's about thinking about your mission and your audience and where they're at. Um, and, um, you know, if we, if we developed a progressive web app that, uh, but nobody used it, right. it would be... Um, it would be a big investment for not a very good return. Yep. I, I think that's exactly the right place for charities to start the conversation is where are the users? How do we make sure that it's the easiest experience for them? Um, that might be a little bit more expensive. Uh, but honestly, the progressive web app movement is so niche that it might also be expensive. Um, but the idea of what more you could do with digital than you could do with print and how some audiences are really going to prefer that experience and really enjoy that and then use that experience to share with their networks to go, you know, not only was the art super cool, but I, you know, right. I didn't have to check out their audio thing. I already had my own, you know, earbuds that I love using. I already had my own device. I could use the audio tour and not have to worry about checking it back in at the end. 
people that have that preference are going to really appreciate and share that message a little bit more. Like here, I got treated to an experience that really worked for me. Mm -hmm. So all of those things are are really important um, in this digital versus print conversation. But there's some of the traditional um, print stuff that I did want to come back to. Um, uh, Right again, ahead of recording, I mentioned that years ago, I wrote this thing called Stop Mailing Your Annual Report. And it's on the website at nextonnonprofits.com. Um, that I think that in the 20th century, there there was a movement within many charities to say, we, we, we want to be responsive to our audiences. We want them to find value in us. We need them to understand what we're doing. So at least once a year, we're going to send them something that's very visually impressive and talks about the accomplishments that we've had. Um, but it's pretty expensive to produce and mail those larger pieces. It's no longer that rack card size thing. It's really kind of expensive. Um, and I still think there are times when a print annual report is the right thing, but mailing it to everybody is almost universally, I would argue, the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So um, when you think about things like that that are um, not evergreen, that have a, a, a finite use, uh, like an annual report, and then there's going to be another annual report later, um, how do you decide from your positions, um, when do we go to print, how many of them do we make? Is the print and web version of it the same or do we try to create two different ones? Because, of Mm -hmm. course, you could make a PDF version and put it on the web. um, But is that the experience that the website user wants? Right. Right. That's a really uh, good point. And I'm we are at a um, kind of the I'm seeing a lot more annual reports, digital annual reports Mm -hmm. that are not simple PDFs anymore. And um uh, that is an interest to me, um, that I, I think that that is the way that we will continue to move. I I tend to agree with you that there's still a place for a printed annual report. Mm -hmm. And so how that is, that's a good question of how does the, that printed piece, uh, match and, um, interact with the digital end report? Is there, is it a limited, um, part of the information on the printed version or is it just presented in a different way? I think that's a question that I I don't think there's a simple answer to it. I think every organization, every instance is going to have to look at that and, 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 but those are the questions that we'll have to answer. Um, annual reports are, of course, they're our report to our community. They're our storytelling vehicle. Uh, and I think they're, they are really important to continue to produce. And they're still expensive even if you don't print right. it. You have to go to, I mean, you often have to get designers and spend a lot of time writing and thinking about, even if you don't have a lot of text in it, it's the thought process and the strategy. They take up just a ton of time to produce uh, in digital only. And uh, um, and that's not even including the the printing and the mailing of it. Uh, so they're, they're costly endeavors, but they are important to tell our stories to um, our donors, uh, make sure that they see our financial transparency and um, and be available to people who are interested in, in supporting us or interested in finding out more information about us. Uh, so, but how we present them, uh, it, it's changing. Yeah. It is changing. Well, I, th- I think that the opportunity is important for um, people that are concerned of, well, how do we interact with that user uh, to say that that annual report is available? 
Um, I, I'm a big fan of a couple of different outreach methods that way. I'd be interested in your thoughts about this because one is certainly that when you do the newsletters or um, any email, I mean, by, by newsletter, I mean an electronic newsletter, mm-hmm. um, newsletters or, or email communication to folks you can say, um, we're very proud of what's happened in the last year. Here's a link to the report online, but include in there, if you prefer a print edition, here's how you can contact us. Um, and that's fine for people that use electronic communications. Um, uh, my mother, for example, still doesn't have an email account. Um, she she had one when she was working. She retired and she refuses to go back to that world. So um, if you're going to talk to her, you can't rely on that. And in those cases, I think it's important to recognize that um, you don't necessarily have to send the whole annual report, but you might want to send a postcard right. um, saying, here's a couple of brief synopsis of what you'd find in the annual report. If you'd like us to send one, call this number. We will send you one. Um, and it has that impact of we believe in you. We know you're important and we still want to send it. But many people are not going to think beyond, oh, that's nice. They, they have something that I can ask for if I want it and have that feeling without going, I, if you had sent it to me unsolicited, I might have just recycled it. Right. It gives you the opportunity to have that interim space without as much cost involved. So um, are, are those couple of interim stages things that you think about in terms of how you keep in touch with uh, yeah. your community? Yeah, I think, well, definitely the digital request um i I think the it's always important to remember the audiences who we don't have email it could be because they they are actively um choosing to be not on email uh or or other digital um digital platforms uh or it could be just that they haven't connected with us that way uh so that we all have our our mailing lists and um the overlap to the email list is not it's not equal right um so uh it is it it is important to remember those that we don't have email addresses for or otherwise digital connections and uh, sending a postcard or other sort of written notice um in a if you're doing other if you do a mailed newsletter and mm-hmm. putting a little note in that mailed newsletter saying that the annual report is available um there are ways to reach those that you're mailing to another and, and let them know that it's available i think it's a great idea to to print a small number and um, ask people if they want them to, to request them. Right. So that gets us to the idea of uh, on-demand print services have become really good. Um, the um, I'm just impressed every time I go to a printer that I've been using for a number of years um, where I can just turn in a, a high-res PDF, and it looks fantastic when they do a on-demand print. It looks like it was part of a four-color full-print run from the 20th century. I'm like, Wow. These are not so hard to do where I have to run 2,000 copies at a minimum just to get any kind of discount that makes any sense. And then they sit in boxes and all those problems we used to have. Um, But there are very specific niche use cases for print, too. And I mentioned a throwaway comment a moment ago about the case statement. Um, So here we are going to have very specific uh, interactions with some community members where the print communication to them is not for the general public. Um, You know, foundation officers that are coming by that want to understand things about your mission in relation to how they work as a funder. And that's a little different from how the average donor or philanthropist may want to communicate. Um, So having something that speaks to them that you can update relatively easily, but you only print, you know, a relatively small number of them as you need them 
is like a whole other area of where print and digital kind of overlap these days. And I don't know if you have identified use cases for that kind of thing of like, boy, here we do want some limited number of paper copies of a thing, but the the audience identification and the audience intention to that is a very narrow subset of people. Yeah, it could be a narrow subset of, of your audience, or it could be time delimited, yeah. uh, where it gets updated frequently, and you want to keep it current and you uh, it, it really doesn't work as an evergreen piece um, so you want to keep updating it and you'll then you, you only want to have so many at a time mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think that there I think organizations should have um, a lot of organizations have the, those types of needs and print on demand is a, is a really good option and I agree it's come a long long way um, the digital printing services are are, are really um stepping up and it's it's uh, it's often really hard to tell the difference between a four color process and a digital print these days yeah i mean i i think that for the aficionado um certainly paper stock and other things those can still make a difference and those still do have um going to print kinds of necessities and all the rest of it um so there are times i think uh, you're also in the business where um people are interested in um books about the work that you do mm-hmm. print stuff again especially the coffee table book the the thing that people can physically touch um is another outreach tactic for what you do um in the new space i assume you're going to have a gift shop i mean is that correct is that we will it'll yeah. be small but but presumably with some you know print mm-hmm. materials that people could actually buy mm-hmm. to connect to the artwork and, and the mission that they were at and not just here's the brochure to take for free but rather this is now an investment this this type of print means something to you yes so how do you begin the conversation as you get ready to open the new space about what types of print do we invest in that you know other people might pay us money for i mean it could yeah. even be a small revenue generator yeah that's a good question and it I think it's a continuing question. Um, you know, we're looking at, for example, posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, exhibition posters are something that um, back in the day, in the 20th century, and uh, it was it was a common um, uh, it was a common piece that was developed. Every flagship exhibition had a poster, and it was um, given away or sold or um, used to promote and have a lasting impact about what that exhibition was. And um, they've gone away. I don't know anyone who's um, really producing them in, in um, a lot these days. Um, but I've, I've had the thoughts, I think that they should come back, um, yeah. but maybe not in the same way. But um, I, I can see them as uh, an opportunity to uh, really showcase the what the museum has to offer around town uh, in coffee shops, in yeah. you know, in in the um, little cafes and in uh, apartment lobbies uh, in the neighborhood. And uh, so it's I, I think it's it, it could be helpful promotion, but it could also be something that people want for a keepsake, um, it, not expensive keepsake, uh, right. something that that was their visit to St. Paul or that was their visit to uh, the museum for the first time. And they had a really uh, great time and want to uh, want to ma- remember it with something. Um, so being able to offer that to them for a couple of bucks, uh, that would printed digitally that would pay for the cost of of printing it and more so um that is something that if if really we break even and make just a little bit on it it, i think it would be worth it 
Well, we've been focusing a lot on the difference of print and digital in terms of the expense and the impact and whatnot, but some of it is just about the communication. And as we're starting to run a little low on time, I want to just ask, um, as director of advancement, you know, communications and marketing is one part of it, but, you know, development is another part of what you do. Um, how and when you choose to go to donors with a print message versus electronic communication, or even in some cases, phone calls or personal meetings, um, you know, as, as those things go, I think is a constant challenge for uh, nonprofits moving forward of um, there, there, I think still is a time. And I would argue certainly for a year end giving um, right now, the tax law changes being what they are. Everybody's afraid that, you know, with only the top 10% really going to be um, doing any itemizing anymore is charitable giving for a tax deduction really a thing anymore. And I have a podcast on this uh, that I'll reference in the show notes around, there are still advantages to tax-exempt giving um, for donors. They're, they're, they're absolutely there. People should not write that off as it doesn't happen anymore. But it is a smaller number of people that will regularly itemize. So mm-hmm. I think getting in front of a year-end giving audience, regardless of whether they're itemizing, in print is an important thing that doesn't just go away yet. And I don't know that ever will. Um, But in my experience, if you're not in a postal stack of these are folks that have asked me for resources at the end of the year, and I'm going to make my giving decisions based on who's in this stack. If you're not in that stack, it doesn't matter how much they love you. They've, They've made a decision elsewhere. I think you have to go to print that that time for sure, at least, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, year end giving, giving in general, uh, the ma- vast majority of philanthropy from individuals does not come from people who are giving because of a tax advantage. Right. Uh, so um, there's been a lot of conversation about the tax law changes and its impacts. We won't know for sure for a couple of years, yeah. uh, but um, I I really feel strongly that people give because they're so their their attachment to your mission and they support what you do. They have an emotional connection, and uh, being top of mind when they're making their their giving decisions, and by happenstance that happens for a lot of people at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's because a, a lot of us uh, as charities are sending our year-end giving messages around that time, and people have been conditioned right. that this is the time I make my my charitable contributions. Um, people are in the giving spirit because uh, around the holidays time. Um, and then there are those that are actually looking for the tax deductions at the end of the year, and they've um, they've reached the, the calendar year end and want to make that a certain threshold. Um, but that latter part, I think, is a, a small percentage of our total audiences. Yeah, I, I do think that that word, you know, conditioned for lack of a, of a better one is um, there There was a time when that was more important for people to think about, like, I, I need to plan tax impacts this year, and maybe a larger gift is going to come up at a specific time uh, that I want to make it uh, um, more conditioned on the fact that, well, this year we have a windfall, so we're going to give that bigger gift this year um, to offset some of that windfall. That's maybe not the same impact on the on the giving decision, but I do think that the idea of we hear from everybody and we make our decisions because we can't give all the places we want to. I mean, very few people uh, are able to give everywhere they want to. So it's just a question of 
when they're going to make that decision, how do they decide? And, um, you know, we have a, a, a large statewide giving day uh, here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. Give to the Max Day. Uh, giving Tuesday is an international uh, day of giving. Both of these things pretty close to year end. Um, the competition and mind space there is just really kind of staggering. The the number of requests that go. Um, I lost track last year of the number of emails I got around Give to the Max Day. Um, certainly many, many good people. Um, and I could not respond to all of them. But that postal list is still so important to some folks. So how do you think about differentiating your year-end message? Because I think that this gets a little formulaic. It's the two-page letter. There's a couple of red circles around Around some things. It's signed by a person that's supposed to be important. Um, there's all of the things that, that people kind of expect, but there's other ways to talk about a year-end gift than just that formulaic way. Well, I always think it should be about a story. It should mm-hmm. be telling your organization story. It should be telling the impact story. It should be... Um, the story is going to be the most effective way to reach the hearts of the people that you hope will give to you. Um, and, and that, that again, that emotional connection is going to be what the trigger is for a, a donation. Um, and could impact the amount, uh, as well. Um, so what, what stories can you tell? Sometimes that is the who's it from. Um, uh, it can be from a a client or uh, somebody that you're that you've impacted as an organization, um, or it could be from uh, somebody a volunteer or somebody else that has uh, a connection. But other than the CEO, um, the 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 top official with the organization often is the person that signs those. And mm-hmm. um, that that can be the right person, but it can also come from, think outside the box and it can come from somebody else. And I think that's, the more you can surprise and delight uh, and make that surprising connection to the reader, uh, that's gonna be helpful in your year-end pitch. Do you think about investing more in the visual presentation of it, uh, though, than just printing the letter? Because you could certainly just go on letterhead with good text, with you know bolds and all the rest of it, if it's just about the message. But I, I do think because the level of competition at that particular time is so challenging, that how do you catch the eye uh, of somebody that that in, in your business this is mm-hmm. easier than in some well, other charities that I work with. I, I don't know about that. It's still <laughs> difficult. Um yeah, it's uh yes, the visual uh the visual impact is part of that story. And that can be in the letter. It can be adding it can be as simple as adding photographs or adding scans of a note from somebody that uh, that that went through your program. Um, it can be on the outside of the envelope. Um, that can be an encourager to get people to actually open the envelope. If you have a plain white envelope versus ones that are flashy and colors and have all these uh, photographs and and things on the outside, um, that that can be more enticing to open than than a plain envelope. Um, so it's all of those things that and you know the traditional the traditional fundraising letter of yeah the red circles the highlights the underlines the um those those do still work mm-hmm. um uh, but i think we need to i think beyond that as well and how are we telling that story through through other visuals that um that make that 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 more uh connected feel so we are just about out of time but to wrap this part of the conversation up and then i'll ask you to talk about how people can learn more about the m in your work but um the do you do the postal mailing letter to everybody or are there times at the year end where like 
at some point we have to make a cost effectiveness decision and say there will be digital only to some portion of the audience and it's better to communicate with them digitally than to not communicate with them at all um, but you know depending on how many mailing lists you've bought that year and how big that list got mailing to everybody maybe isn't the right thing so how do you think about um, do you go digital for some of those audiences do you go digital and print for some do you go only print how do you think about that yeah I, I yeah it, you can't mail to everybody all the time it's it, it is too expensive and depending on what you're hoping for from it um, that return on investment could be um, very very low um, if if any at all and um, think about your mail piece as on your ladder of engagement. So if you mm-hmm. if you're starting off as you're introducing yourself and that that can be a really broad message that you want to get to everybody in the world and and sometimes mail is a good option for that. Uh, but if you're asking for people to contribute, you you're not going to ask somebody that you just introduced yourself to uh, to give you money. Um, they 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 ha- they don't have that um, emotional connection yet. It's, or at least you're you're not going to have as much of an effective um, response uh, to that level of audience. But if you um, target your year end ask to um, those that those that uh, are have more of a connection to you, they've they've given in the past, they've they've been to their your programs, they've showed some level of interest in you in the past. That's going to be a better target. Um, it is always good to expand out that and try some new audiences. Definitely, digital is a, a place to um, uh, continue to expand that. I, 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 there's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, putting out your digital message to as broad of an audience as you possibly can um, for year-end giving. Uh, that just shows that you're you you need that. That's an important part of how you do your work. Um, but it's also um, important to make sure that your return on investment is is appropriate. Yeah, I I could keep talking with you about this for a long time, but we're at the end of what we have allotted. So um, if I could just ask you to talk to people about where should they follow the M, how do they learn more about what you're doing and when it's opening and all those exciting things? Yeah, the 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 M, the Minnesota Museum of American Art is opening, uh, reopening on December 2nd. On Sunday, December 2nd, we'll have a grand opening event uh, with a ribbon cutting and performances and uh, art tours and lots of activities, art making, um, lots of activities. It'll be intergenerational. Bring your families. Uh, it'll be free for everybody. We're free to come to every day. Um, visit www.mmaa.org for more information on it. There you go. And follow along there. Uh, we should mention that in the interim, while the, the big renovations are happening in the new space and everything, there are programming things happening all over town that keep the mission alive, that keep the conversations going. So check the website, learn more about all those things. Great stuff happening. Um, but we do need to wrap. So uh, Christine Duran, Director of Advancement of the Minnesota Museum of American Art, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me.